and the way it was running just did not look like any human. Immediately, felt like someone was watching. Something was watching. We seen some eyes, which were glowing a bright red. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to this Sasquatch show, brought to you by Nicola Valley Bigfoot. Sit back and enjoy. And welcome to the show, everyone. This is a special Saturday show. Hope you guys are sure enjoying these because I am enjoying doing them for you. Um, we got a special guest on the phone today. Today we're going to be talking to Blaine McMillan. Now he's the author of Woodnox and Tostrox, Searching for Sasquatch with the BFRO. Uh, welcome to the show, Blaine. Thanks for being here. Uh, hi, Sheldon. Uh, nice talking to you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great to have you on. Um, so you know what? I'm not going to waste any time here. I just want to jump right into this. Tell us, what, what, sure. what got you into the world of Sasquatch? Well, believe it or not, it was the TV show, The Beachcombers. That's what, that's what, uh, I knew nothing about it. I was from the prairies, moved out to BC in 72 and, uh, saw this episode on TV and our house was set back in the woods. So every time I had to go to Cub Scouts, I had to walk through the woods at night and, you know, I was terrified. So I'd walk up the side of the highway instead of, instead of walking back through the woods. So, cause I was, I was all scared. And then I started seeing books on the subject. I bought some books, started reading them and everything else. And I've been kind of hooked ever since. Yeah. And, and for the listeners though, Beachcombers was a Canadian television show, oh, late seventies, early eighties, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. Right into, they did, I think they did something like uh, 14 seasons or something Yeah, like that. They were on, or maybe longer. I don't know. They're on for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Classic so, TV, that's for sure. So you wrote a book. Yeah, yeah. What, can you tell uh, us a little bit about that? Well, uh, I started going on uh, expeditions uh, with the BFRO, uh, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Uh, my first expedition was in 2005. And I, when I got back, I would write down notes just for my own recollection kind of thing and uh, things that happened. I started amassing all these notes. Then I went on another expedition the following year. And when I came back, I wrote a bunch of notes. And then the third year, uh, I did the same thing. And then I was in the process of transcribing all these notes because they looked like really bad chicken scratch. Uh, <laughs> I have terrible handwriting. So I was transcribing them all onto my laptop, again, just for my own personal uh, stuff. And my wife was asking me, she says, well, how many pages do you have? I said, what, rough draft? And she says, yeah. I said, well, I got, what, 800 pages of loose leaf. Oh, geez. And she says, you're, she says, you're kidding. I said, no, that's, that's what I got. She says, well, you should get that published. So it's all her fault. Uh, <laughs> so through a lot of, had a lot of editing and, and uh, scaling it down and, and researching, double-checking things and everything else, uh, it's not just how I got into uh, interest in Sasquatch, but uh, the three expeditions, I did other chapters on uh, questioning things and and that sort of stuff. Uh, my own, you know, uh, things that we 
people ask about like eye shine and stuff like this. So I did a bunch of research and I included that as well. Uh, I wrote it as if I was writing a university paper. So it's all referenced and researched and you know, fact checked and everything else. So it's pretty accurate from, from my standing. Yeah, that does sound, you went into detail. Yeah. And how many years were you collecting the information? Well, some of the information has been out there for a long time. I mean, my first expedition was in 2005 and I was, uh, I was what we call a newbie. I'd never been on an expedition. I didn't know what to expect. And, uh, it was, it was pretty crazy. Then the next year, uh, I had gone from being a newbie, uh, and then I became an actual, an investigator for the organization, uh, because nobody up until that point, nobody had been doing any uh, of the reports in Western Canada. Now I had lived in all four pro Western provinces. So if I was doing a report and I was talking to some farmer who said that he saw one standing down by the corn crib, I knew what a corn crib was. Or if he, somebody said they saw one walking through a slough, I knew what a slough was. So I could, you know, speak their language kind of thing. Oh. Like a dugout is not a canoe. A dugout in the prairies is a big hole dug in the ground that collects water. Yeah. That's a dugout. I, I'm a prairie boy too. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I didn't think. So there, there, there you go. <laughs> I didn't think people uh, didn't know what those were. Oh, some people don't. And if somebody says, yeah, I saw it by the corn crib. What does that mean? Well, it's a building where they store grain. Yeah. It's a corn crib. <laughs> well, a lot of people, farmers would know that, but as somebody out here or somebody from the States who was doing, doing reports in Canada, they had no clue. They had no idea of where locations were or what the geography was like or anything else. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was, it was a, a benefit. Uh, then in 2007, uh, I organized the expedition on the island, which was the first one on the island. I want to ask you about your expeditions, but before we get into that, I want to ask you one more important question. Do Shoot. you know what a bunny hug is? Oh, of course I do. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I know what a bunny hug is. I was born in Saskatoon. I know what that is. Okay, let's leave that. Let's let the uh, listeners it's, kind of. It's, no, oh, no, no, don't some... tell them. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Okay, I won't tell them. Let, them, tell let them. them research it on their own. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's take a step back here. Um, yeah. How did you get involved with the BFRO? Is, is it well, just because went... there was a lack of a lack of, of, of investigation? Well, no. First, or... I went. I went on. I went on my. Went on the first expedition, and. Uh, and uh, uh, the uh, the guy who runs the BFRO, it was his baby. He created it. Uh, I had asked him, are there any investigators out here? And uh, he says, no. And I said, well, I would like to be one. And I, I kind of hounded him a little bit. And then he did some fact checking and, and and realized that there was nobody right here that was able to do it. And since I was right here, I could talk to people and I knew the area and I, and so on and so forth. Like I knew, you know, Canada wide or Canada wise, uh, that, that I was able to do this. So, uh, he made me an investigator. Uh, so then I started going through, like there was reports that had sat there for, 10 years that nobody had touched 
and some of them had gone like, like they were 10 years on the books but they were dated back even farther uh i did a report i think one of the first ones i did was a sighting from 19 i think it was 1968 from in courtney in 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 the comox valley here and the girl was i think she was like if i remember correctly i think she was 12 or or 13 or something like this at the time uh and and it was her her son that had submitted it so i eventually tracked her down and i and i completed the report so uh and i just started going through going through the old ones and then worked my way up uh, kind of thing what were some of the more interesting um cases that you uh were hands-on with well, that one in Courtney, for example, it was because, I mean, that, that part of town, the, the house she lived in is still there. I've driven by it like dozens of times. Uh, I mean, some of the other houses around have changed and there's more, more houses have built up, of course, but the initial houses that were there are still there. And it's still like, it still backs onto forest land. So, uh, but that was interesting because uh, the neighbor had had sheep and they had 10 sheep. And then the next morning they had nine sheep. Now, could a cougar take it? Yes. Could a bear take it? Yes. It was very hungry. Uh, are there wolves? Yes, there's wolves. But if a, a predatory animal like a wolf or a cougar or a bear came in there, it would cause a whole ruckus and the sheep would have made a whole whack of noise and, and everything else. And the farmer would have woken up. The farmer actually blamed her dog from for uh, for killing the sheep, but the thing is, there was never any blood. It was like they went to bed and there was ten, and they got up in the morning and there was nine. Now, so, so it's like somebody just kind of walked by and grabbed one and, and picked yeah, exactly. Now, if you're a, a you know humanoid looking thing and you can step over a fence line, could you pick up a sheep? Yes. Would the sheep be scared? Probably not, because you look like a human. Now somebody had said to me, "Well, what if, what if a bunch of kids came by and they let the let the gate open? Would they let one sheep out, or would they let them all out?" Yeah, good point. If they, they would probably let them all out, you know. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's been some that were. I had one one farmer on the prairies that asked me whether or not that they could you like could they open doors. I said, well, why do you ask? She says, well, I've got a corn crib. And the door, I said, well, is it like a door handle with a latch or is it just like a, you know, like a piece of two by two that it's, or one by two that swivels? And he says, it's just a board. I said, oh yeah, they can open that up. And I said, well, what's the question? He says, well, I had like the grain bags nowadays are made out of nylon. They're not the old gunny sacks. He had grain bags in there. And he had a grain bag that had been torn open, like ripped open. And a substantial amount of grain had been eaten. But none of it was on the floor. Now, if it was a rat, a rat would chew at the bottom and you'd see holes. But it wasn't a rat. It was just something that ripped open the bag and had eaten a substantial amount of grain. And then the door had been closed. He also found... uh, some other weird things that had that had kind of happened uh, in around this this one part of his property. So, 
so there's there's there's, there's things like that yeah yeah uh, inter- so do you get many reports um in your area still uh i do uh like i i haven't haven't had really had the time to go through the reports on uh, uh through the organization i have to get back to doing that because there's probably a, a, a bunch of them but i do hear of uh some instances and uh of things that happen you kind of hear them second hand you know kind of thing yeah through the uh, grapevine type of thing yeah yeah through the grapevine and you and you, you try to find them i did there's there is one that that is really close in fact it's like 10 minutes from my house and uh i'm when I have a chance to, when the when the weather gets a little bit better and not so rainy, I'm, I've talked to the, the property owner, and she's going to let me put a sound recorder out to to record audio on her property. Is she suspecting uh, that it's? One hmm? of these, is she suspecting it's? Well, one she's of these? had a she's had a horse that has come back and had its its mane all braided. That is an interesting. I just read an article not that long ago about that, and um, there, there's local folklore that say like little people or Sasquatch break. Yeah, there, but well, that's just it. She's heard like she hear she heard vocalizations in her property, and she's heard wood knocks in her property. Oh, and then her her horse was out wandering around in the property, and people say, oh well, you know, the wind could do that. Yeah, well, this is actually pretty closely braided to what we do and therefore you'd have to have hands and there was sticks that were braided in through the braid you know what i mean i'm trying to picture that and it's just uh so imagine okay if you if you were to uh imagine if uh, a woman had her hair braided and then she took like a uh a chopstick and put it through the through the braid Oh, okay. That's I got you. What, yeah. So this is what it was like, kind of thing. And it was, uh, the bottom was like really, really twisted up, uh, so it didn't fall out, kind of thing. Do you ever have any caseloads that you you look at and go, "Wow, I really need to get over there." Like, like maybe a family's being tormented, or or no, I haven't. I or... haven't had. No, I haven't had any, uh, any like that uh i would love to find a habituation site and that's that would be crucial so you could you could go in and i think you do a better job with the audio than to try to put up trail cameras or or uh or that sort of stuff because i think they would be really really shy away from the even the higher end uh leds uh for night vision yeah yeah but the audio the audio or if you had a thermal unit then you could probably get thermal images, uh, but just the audio would would be really interesting. There's a researcher down in the states that he has a huge audio uh, people network of people doing audio recordings, gathering audio recordings. Uh, Christopher Noel is his name. That name uh, rings a bell. He's written, yeah, he's written written a couple of really good books uh, that are that are out there, and he he has some really really cool ideas he has a, a great research area that he keeps going back to uh and that uh, some of his videos can be found on on youtube uh, i'm trying to remember the name of his uh impossible visits so look for christopher noel impossible visits and there's some really cool stuff that's on youtube 
So are you still actively involved with the BFRO? Uh, I'm still an investigator, yeah. I just hosted a, uh, an expedition here on the island again last year. that uh, We hadn't had one for quite a few years. And in fact, I've been going over to the mainland uh, for, uh, there's a friend of mine, Jason uh, Sackerson, who uh, has hosted expeditions. Well, he has a research area, or well, a couple of research areas over on the mainland. Yeah, he he's and, just uh, he's just on the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really. Well, I'll have to wait till it's on, then I'll I'll listen to it. Yeah, uh, I met Jason in uh, 2007 on my first expedition that I hosted, and uh, he's come to some of mine, and I've gone to quite a few of his, and uh, uh, he's a really good guy uh, out in the bush, and uh, I I really enjoy going on expeditions with him. Uh, so yeah he's got a really uh grand plan for his next ex- expedition going and I, I really hope that he, he can follow through with it because from what i understand it's there's a lot of uh technology involved and, and there's time. a lot of there's a there's a lot of wheels in motion that he that he has in play i'm not going to uh, speak too much about it because it's that's his thing yeah 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 for uh, sure. i i'll i'll be uh going to attend uh as well I don't know exactly what time frame uh, that I'll be going. Uh, he's he's going to basically set up a, a calendar, so we can all kind of pick and choose our slot when we're going to go. But it's a it's a long duration. Yes. Outing. Yes. Your very listeners long, yeah. will yeah your listeners will learn more about it when they listen to listen to his things. So yeah, well, but uh, by it, the time this one it airs, should be good. By the time this one airs, they'll uh, they'll have heard it. So yeah, okay. they'll know all oh, about good. it. Oh, yeah. uh, good. Good. Uh, uh, his this the one particular research area it has produced at least three sightings class a class a sightings yeah and then there was one that was uh on an expedition that was uh uh seen on, uh, at night uh, it was a full moon and or no there was seen i think it was seen with a night vision well one was uh ran across the road another one was seen because uh, they were doing a, a technique that we call what's in the box technique because Sasquatches are very, very inquisitive. So we trick them and they start paralleling us and wondering what the hell are those people doing? And they get inquisitive and one was seen crossing the road again with a night vision device. No, the Squatch wasn't using night vision. The people <laughs> were using night vision and they watched this thing cross the road ahead of them. So. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of interest, like technology. I think it with just the technology that we have today. I think it's just a matter of time before they're they're fully discovered. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they're they're acknowledged finally by the general public. You know, if if more people would get dash cameras, and not only dash cameras, but get some GoPros, and if you're going to be driving around, even if you got two GoPros and you mounted one on the front of your vehicle. You mount another one on the back of your vehicle because these things are so smart. Like we've we've had I've done numerous reports of a vehicle driving down the road, and as it's coming towards a corner, there's another car coming towards it, like kind of around the corner on a highway. And there's a, they won't notice it, but there's say a squatch would be standing down in the ditch or just inside the tree line now. This, he doesn't want to be seen. They hate being seen. 
And that's the last thing they want to happen. So he's sitting and he's basically counting cars. You know, okay, cars coming, cars coming, cars coming. And the car goes by him. And then he steps out to cross the highway. It's the car coming from the other direction that sees him. Now, the Squatch is only looking one way, right? So he steps out, and it's, like, like I said, the car coming from the other direction is the, the driver who sees him. And you know, the Squatch is like, oh, my God, you've seen me. And he, he steps off. But if you're driving down logging roads, you're either going to be always checking rear view mirror, and even if you did see something, you're not going to be able to stop in time. But if you had a GoPro that you let run, you mount it on your, you know, on the back of your vehicle. You have a bunch of SD cards, so you can just swap them out to, re, you know, review them later. You drive down the road. If your something steps out in front of you, your dash cam will see it. But if it's something that crosses after you've driven by, your GoPro is going to catch it on the back end. Yeah, especially for, um, you know, back backyard researchers i don't use that term in air quotes because you know i don't really have a specific term for it um no that's a good that's a good thing yeah 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 some of those groups you know equip themselves with with the cameras i think we have a lot more um useful Mm -hmm. you know information that we could gather oh yeah and if you're out hiking you know uh have wear one on your chest and one on the back of your hat because as you're going down the trail you step one way, and as you go around the corner, it could cross right behind you, and you would never know it. Do you, you give would out? Never know it. Oh, sorry, sorry. No. Do you give out information like this in, in your book? Uh, yeah, there's some information. Like, I mean, technology has changed a bit since I've written it, but uh, I discuss uh, the trail cameras, for example, and we've found that uh, over the years that the, the newer trail cameras like the Reconyx and the higher end uh, uh, Brownings, um, they use a higher end which uh, uh, LEDs, which is the terminology, but these things will take burst photos. It'll take like, you know, five or eight photos in five seconds kind of thing. And then the reload time between one burst and the next burst is like, a second and a half or two seconds kind of thing. And then it's ready to go again. Uh, You can set it for a duty time, which means if you have a nice flat field, you can mount your camera and have it take one picture every minute during daylight hours. So you're not relying on uh, on the LEDs to power up to take a picture. It's going to take a daytime photo. So anything walking across the field, it doesn't even have to come within range of your camera it's because you're looking the length of this field so you've got something that walks across the middle of the field if it's walking upright you're going to get a picture of it so there are newer tech newer technology that's out there uh and of course i mean the whole uh night vision units uh that are that are available i have a, a bushnell uh equinox uh, I can't remember which, which size the middle size. I actually bought it from Canadian Tire. And I can take uh, video and stills in daytime and at nighttime with this unit. What, what do you think? The, what do you think, Sasquatch are? Do you think they're nocturnal? 
and while I know they're, they're active in the daytime too, people see them in the daytime, but I think they're more comfortable at night. I think they're more comfortable moving around at night because they know where the people are. What do people do? They sit around the campfire. So they can move around a lot more, uh, more freely because they know the people are over there. Except for us crazy investigators who walk down <laughs> logging roads with no lights on, you know, <laughs> singing little silly songs. And of course, being an inquisitive primate, they're saying, what the heck is that? And next thing you know, you're being trailed, you know, it'll walk as you walk and it'll stop when you stop. Every once in a while, you hear a branch break or something like this, which will scare the willies out of you. But it's it's all good. It's all good. They're, you know, this is how some people are just terrified. They're benign. If there was, if they were dangerous, people would go missing. Uh, and they're not going missing unless they drive off a cliff or something like this. I mean, have I had rocks thrown at me? Oh, yes, I've had rocks thrown at me. Have I had my truck slapped? Oh, yeah, my very first expedition, my truck was slapped and I was in it. Scared me to death. <laughs> have i been screamed at yeah i've been screamed at have i been hurt no has my tent been played with yes and no uh have i been hit with infrasound yes i've been hit with infrasound uh, am i afraid no i'm not afraid uh, i'm not afraid to go out walking i'm more afraid of, of being stalked by a cougar than you know, i am being hurt, hurt by a squatch yeah yeah you know since I've been doing the podcast, uh, which has been about, I think about six months now. Um, mm -hmm. the one thing that I'm, the number one thing that I'm learning is that not all Sasquatch encounters are dangerous or violent as, no. as the media no, kind of portrays them out to be like, for the most part, it, people's experiences are very, um, and I've been told this by a few guests now, uh, that they're very spiritual experiences they, and they feel blessed mm -hmm. that, that it's actually happened to them. Yeah, there's only there's only uh, there's only one report that I know that was uh, investigators that I know of uh, that were really really scared, and uh, well, yeah, and they were approached and they were uh, they were hit with infrasound to the point where they, they were afraid for their lives from the infrasound. And, uh, and then it backed off, but they were, they were in a, uh, not in a good place. Any scary reports? Have you had any scary reports? Uh, well, other than that, that one where those investigators were, were being hit with the infrasound, uh, there's, uh, one uh, that was in behind uh, Comox Lake, where this guy was, he he went out to go camping, and he got out there late at night. Uh, he didn't have a chance. He was driving a camper truck. Didn't have a chance to put the jacks down, and uh, it was probably about eleven thirty or so at night. And so he gets into his camper and he's sitting there having a drink, and then a rock hits his camper, and he figures it's a bunch of kids out there partying. So he opens the door and he you know yells and says i'm not afraid of you type thing i've got a shotgun and closes the door and then a, another rock hits his camper so he opens up the door and he fires off a shotgun round up in the air and he says i told you now bugger off 
And then a much bigger rock hits his camper. So this time he just bails out, jumps in the cab of the truck and drives away. Right. So like he's had enough. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the extent of it. Uh, I've, you know, other than, you know, uh, pine cones or small rocks being thrown. Uh, I haven't heard. Um, well, there was a report that my friend Cindy had done. Some people were driving on their way uh, on a long road out to uh, Port Renfrew, which is out on the west coast of Vancouver Island. And it was in the evening. It was dark out. And they stopped because it's you know, a bumpy logging road. And they, so they stopped to get out and go to the washroom. There's a guy, his son, and his son's girlfriend. So they get out to go to the washroom. And they get back in. Oh, yeah, okay, ready to go. And they go to start the truck. And something grabbed the back of the boat behind her, being towed behind the truck. And it, it yanked on the transom of the boat so hard that it broke it. It broke the transom of the boat. Oh. Yeah. So, of course, uh, that was in the spring. And then, of course, later that summer, that, that particular area is where we ended up having an expedition. In fact, it was a double-ended expedition back-to-back, two weeks. And what, what were your results? Uh, we had had some vocalization returns. Uh, there wasn't a lot of stuff that was happening uh, in the area. It may, have been, uh, it may have been a Sasquatch that was transiting through the area at the time. Uh, who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe these people just, maybe they just crossed its path at the wrong time. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say that wrong place, wrong time, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, a lot of the reports that I have done uh, are pretty much run of the mill. You know, I was driving down the road and I saw this thing cross the road kind of thing. The, the two groups of people that I very rarely ever do re- or get report from is uh, loggers. Because loggers are, you know, big, strong he-men, and they're afraid of talking about it. I think I've done maybe two, maybe three reports from loggers. That's it. And the other one is First Nations. Really? First Nations, first of all, they're not going to talk to me because I'm not First Nations. And and it's none of my business as far as they're concerned. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I, I'm so. I'm a little yeah. torn on torn on that particular subject you know on on one hand you know why not why not speak to you know investigators i mean somebody's going to investigate it you know you yeah. know what i mean like... uh, exactly uh i was up in port hardy uh for a friend's birthday party years ago he's passed away now and at the little mall up in port hardy there was uh, some uh, young adults first nations and they were doing some carvings and i was talking to them and else and i said so do you have any stories and they said, yeah, like when we we're growing up, when we we're younger, you know, we'd go out to collect shellfish in the fall. And the elders would say, you can go to this island or you can go to that island, but don't go to that island over there. Because, you know, who's over there? Don't go there. So where do you think they go? They go to the island they're not supposed to go to. <laughs> so the older kids would be doing the digging and the younger kids would be dragging the baskets along and, and gathering up the piles of clams or oysters or whatever it happens to be. So as they're doing this, and then when the basket gets full, they just kind of leave it. Then they're going to collect them on the way back because they get pretty heavy. And so they come around this corner to go collect the next pile of clams or whatever it was. And here's this squatch that's between them 
and the guys that are doing the digging and they have just loaded up it's loaded its arms up with all this these free clams that they've just dug for them and he's booking it back into the forest but thanks a lot i'm out of here (laughs) (laughs) so you know that's kind of neat you know at the probably at the time the young kids are probably pretty terrified but you know oh yeah yeah because first of all now they're scared and and now they've if anybody talks the elders will know that they went to the wrong place and then they're really going to be in trouble so they're going to get it from both ends right i see so, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah well let's move on from that and let me yeah, ask sure. you is there another book coming or, or are you you happy with uh, on sasquatch itself um probably not uh i might i might at some point uh, do a revised edition, like add stuff to the one that I've already done, uh, which which you know, might be might be an interesting thing to do is to you know put out a, a newer edition with with new stuff added to it. Uh, but I do have other books that I have written and and am writing at the moment. So yeah, you released a book on on your time in the military. Oh yeah, uh, uh, that's called uh, So There I Was. Tales from the Flight Line. Uh, so it's like kind of an autobiography covers like my basic training and trades training and, and different units I was with and that sort of stuff. So if you're interested in the aircraft, that's the there book. you go. <laughs> that would be that would be if you want to know what the military was like back through the through the eighties, nineties, uh, and early two thousands, then then it'd be of interest here. So yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to work on a cookbook, just because. Wow, you're uh, covering all spectrums of, of the literature. Yeah, might as, might as well. I got time, right? I had time, but I don't have time. I got so, you. Yeah, wow, that you're covering all yeah. your bases. Yeah. Uh, so, where so, can people yeah. find your book? Uh, right now, it's on Amazon for one thing, and uh, there's a couple of bookstores here. And uh, uh, there's a bookstore in Courtney that I've got some copies. I have donated some copies to libraries. So check your local library. If they don't have it, they can order it. Your library should be able to bring it in. They, they're allowed, they can order books. Uh, I had donated uh, copies to uh, the library in Salmon Arm. I donated copies uh, to libraries on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, I donated copies on Vancouver Island here. We have what is called the Vancouver Island Regional Library. So if you lived in Port Hardy and you wanted to read the book and the book was in, say, Shamanus, they would send it up to Shamanus. The only thing is I found that uh, I'd asked them if they wanted a newer copy because I figured it had been read and maybe had been damaged or something like this. And I had given them two copies. They removed it from their list because it wasn't being taken out enough. Oh, man. So I said, really? Okay. I knew that it had, it had been read. It had been going out. But I guess it, they are reducing the number of books in in the Vancouver Island Regional Library. I wonder if that's because of like so, iPads and, and things like that. Like Kindle uh, or whatever. Um, well, maybe. But uh, and you can. There is a, a Kindle version as well uh through amazon of the book as well yes and, and for the listeners this is blaine mcmillan we're speaking to and 
He authored the book Woodnox and Tostrox, Searching for a Sasquatch with the Bigfoot Research Organization. There we go. I got it up. <laughs> oh, there you go. All, all, all in one word. Yeah, I didn't stutter that one out. You know, no, no. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, so, Blaine, I want to uh, say thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, I really do appreciate it. You're most welcome. Uh, if you're if you're interested, uh, I don't know if anybody's running an actual BFRO expedition uh, this year. Uh, I know that I'm not because I'm going to be helping uh, Jason with his. I'll be attending his. But that doesn't mean that you can't do your own thing, right? If you if you do some research, read some books, not necessarily just mine, but you read some of the books, talk to some people. If you know if people have been out there, then uh, you can go out and do your own research, but know what you're looking for, okay? Uh, when in my book, just for example, I talk about casting tracks. We don't use plaster of Paris. We use a product called Hydrocal, which is dental stone. It lasts forever, but there's a special way to use it. So that's all in there, right? But you can talk to people, right? Uh, if if Sheldon wants, what I can do is I will get some information. If he has some other questions for me, I'll send this to him, and then he can put it up on his his uh, website, and so, and it'll be of interest, you know, things to look for, and so on and so forth. And for heaven's sakes, you don't have to be afraid, people. These things will not hurt you. Like I said, they might throw stones. They might scream. They might yell. They might push a tree over. But they're not going to hurt you. If they don't want you there, they'll make you feel uncomfortable till you get up and leave. But yeah. they're not going to hurt you. Let me ask you this real before we go here. Why sure. do you think that Sasquatch is portrayed in that light? I mean, I, for you know what? When I started my research... Um, group and the three me and my two best friends mm -hmm. we had it in our minds that these things were violent dangerous animals that's, that, that's, that you had that's to all hollywood with. that's all hollywood but like any like any animal in the forest if you trap it that is if you corner it it will be dangerous but these things these things are the apex predator and they're not afraid of anything except for flashlights. If you're in your tent and you hear something creeping around and if you think it's a squatch, turn on your flashlight and start waving it around, right? Start shining it around. They will leave. They don't want to be seen. That's all you got to do. Now, if you're shining your flashlight around and it's a bear, well, then it's a bear. But if it's a squatch, it'll leave you don't have to be afraid like i said they're inquisitive but they don't want to be they they don't want to be seen so I, and that's your greatest that's your greatest weapon is a flashlight like when we go out on expeditions we there's no weapons allowed none whatsoever we have americans that want to come up on an expedition to canada and they ask us how do we get our guns up here I said you don't there's no weapons allowed Bring a flashlight. Do they turn around? No, no, they they come, but they they can't bring their weapons. Oh, okay, okay. On, in on in the states, they carry weapons. On the expeditions, if they are uh, 
an officer of the law and they normally carry a weapon to do their job, they're allowed to bring the weapon. But that's in the States, right? That's not in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? On that note, I think we're going to call it a show. Blaine, I want to say thank you again for coming on. I really do appreciate you taking the time. I was really looking forward to this. So I'm really happy that you, you were able to make some time. Oh, yeah. Any, anytime. Anytime, Sheldon, if you want to uh, discuss things on anything else. Do at you, any time, you, you know where to find me. Absolutely. And, and do you do and, any social media? Uh, I have. Actually, I have a Facebook page for my book that's on there uh, as well. Okay. So people, and I, and I, I post things on there, uh, talk about uh, trail cameras and, and stuff like this, or if I've been out, and I, sometimes I put pictures on there and, uh, and let people know what I've been up to and that sort of stuff. And Sheldon, I want to extend an invitation to you that if I have a chance to, once all this COVID stuff is done, if I have a chance to come through your area uh, if I'm like transiting through to my parents' place, they live in the interior. Uh, I would love to attend a weekend out with you guys, you and your buddies. Absolutely. And if you're ever over, if you're ever over here on the rock, then you're welcome. Absolutely. Uh, let me know if you're coming and, and maybe we can tee something up because you have other friends here that I know of, uh, that live over here. Yes. Mutual friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing their thing all the time uh, yeah so for sure if you're ever through means. here i got the perfect place i think you'll you'll find well let me spotchy. know so i know let me know so i can bring my gear absolutely so i'll i'll tee it up so uh, if i'm coming through oh i'll bring some night vision and and uh on my tent sleeping bag and everything else so well that okay. sounds that sounds like a plan oh no no problem at any time uh, and awesome. everybody else, be be safe out there, okay? Words to live by. And okay, thank, talk to you later. Thanks again, Blaine. And for the listeners, just Thanks. hang in there. We're going to be right back. Uh, we're going to close okay. up the show. Stay there. And we're back, everyone. Back in time to help me pull the pin on another, on another episode. Uh, thank you guys for, for hanging around, and I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I know I sure did. Uh, I want to say thank you again to Blaine for coming on and talking to us uh, about everything Sasquatch. Um, uh, you, you know, sometimes it's just nice to sit back and talk to another person that just loves Sasquatch as much as you do. Um, but, but for you guys, though, if you want to order Blaine's book, it can be uh, it's available on Amazon. Now, if you look it up, it's called Wood Knocks and Tossed Rocks, Searching for Sasquatch with the Bigfoot Research Organization. Uh, I ordered mine, but, uh, well, Canadian Amazon isn't quite as quick as, uh, American Amazon. So, uh, it takes some time and I know it's available on an audible as well, which is a digital only book, but I like a tangible experience. You know what I mean? Like a nice, you can feel the pages. That's for me. Uh, call me old fashioned if you want, but I'm not into this whole digital reading stuff. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. So I'm not gonna, so I'm just gonna sit back and wait. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> Thanks again, Blaine. I really do appreciate you taking the time. Um, coming up next, I'm just going to push this button over here and we're going to find out what that is. On the next episode of This Sasquatch Show, brought to you by Nicola Valley Bigfoot. And I see this great big, huge black mass. The first thing I've seen were shoulders. 
and then this thing just running uh, like I've never seen anything run before. I've never seen anything move this fast before. Animals, bears, moose, you, you would, you know, not even come, doesn't even come close. This thing was running on two legs. So definitely tune in for that one. That should be another good one. Uh, let's see what else we got before we go. Well, let's get this out of the way. If you've had an encounter and you want to be on the show, I can be contacted at NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-A. NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. Uh, so far, so good. Everything's going really, really well. Um, other than the fact it's a lot of work. <laughs> but I'm enjoying it, you know. When you enjoy doing something, it really doesn't feel like work. So, uh, you know what, I misspoke there, but... What I mean is I'm putting a lot of time and energy into the shows and I'm thinking they're starting to get better. I'm, you know, I'm still struggling with the sound quality because I'm just not a sound person. I'm not an audiophile. I don't know what highs and lows and all that stuff are. This is a uh, a labor of love and a learn as I go type uh, type experience. So <laughs> I'm glad you guys are here with me. and I'm really loving doing it. I really, really am. So uh, let, let's keep your emails coming in. Uh, and I think that's about it for this episode. Let's, uh, I'm not going to take any more of you guys' time. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day and, you know, enjoy the springtime. You know, I love spring because, you know, I'm one step closer to be able to get back out into the woods and then explore again. But on the other hand, oh my God, why does nature want to kill me? You know, I got, I got allergies and it's going to take a couple of weeks for them to calm down. And right now my eyes are killing me. You guys ever want to just take a wire brush or something and just scratch them? <laughs> if I could do it, I would. <laughs> Safely. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, but you know what? Uh, let, let's get out of here. Let's, let's wrap this one up, okay? Until the next one, guys, I'll talk to you later. Bye. What?